There's always a debate right before I hit the record button. Should I hit the record button? Welcome back, everyone, to <laughs> What Now, Jesus. I'm Father Kyle Schnipple, uh, pastor in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. With me is, again, my friend. Father David Dosick here. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Father yeah. David. How are you? I didn't know. Yeah, I was like, okay, we've got a topic. Great. <laughs> we've got a topic. Record. And then, should we hit it? No, yes, yes, no. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> And I'm sitting, I'm sitting here pondering different ideas. And Father Kyle is just, Father Kyle's like, yeah, let's go with that one. Bye. Yeah, we're going with that one. Record. <laughs> How are you? It's been two weeks. What you been up to? I've, it's been very nice. Uh, I've been able to finish up more and more of our rectory renovation here in our parishes, oh, in our parish region. So little by little, we get closer to the end, uh, which is nice. Is the kitchen uh, then, together yet? <clears throat> it is. Yeah, within... The last two weeks, we've you know got the floor, cupboards, countertop, and then electric. So now we need that uh, good thing we call plumbing. Yeah, got to get that done. Oh, it's a little thing in the kitchen. It's yeah, not that important, so, is it? So hopefully uh, we'll be getting that here soon and doing some of the finishing touches. Uh, hopefully, I mean, the goal for me is to have an open house for all my parishioners in my region, uh, maybe multiple days, maybe like a weekend or something where they each and everybody's invited to come in, take a tour and maybe grab a little snack and, and, uh, and judge me based upon my cleanliness. That's about it. <laughs> I tell you what, you call my mom before the the day before yeah. or a couple of days before and you schedule yeah. my mom to come in because she's a cleaning machine. <laughs> uh, no secrets were shared in that, right? <laughs> no, nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay, great. I, I, I saw I saw my mom yesterday, and I'm like, uh, "Mom, you're never allowed to show up at my house unannounced because there's three of us, and it's never as clean as she wants it." <laughs> if she listens to this. I will hear about this. I'm sure. Uh huh. Uh huh. See, you. what I do is uh, uh, because I know of myself. Um, greatest advice given to me was to hire someone who comes into your house on a frequent basis to clean. Otherwise, it will not be done. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, same, same. It's true, at least for me. So I'm willing to give a little bit out of my pocket to be able to make sure that happens. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Agreed. Same here. So um, can I brag a little bit? Sure. What would you like to brag about? My nephews. Nice. Yeah. They ran the state cross-country meet yesterday, and they finished sixth as a team. Their best result as a team ever. Uh, for my yeah. yeah, I was able to make it. I was, yeah, so it was, it was just fun to watch them. A little small Botkins, Ohio, huh? Mm hmm. The six, uh, so there were three teams from our county and a fourth, from, you know, so um, Botkins, Anna, and Fort Laramie all made it. Fort Laramie finished third, Botkins sixth, Anna was down a little bit, and then Minster also made it. So four schools from right around, four out of the 20 schools. We're right mm-hmm. around the area where we grew up. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. The last maybe couple we'll, weeks. Maybe it'll translate to a marathon one day. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> the Bakken's Marathon. Wouldn't that be exciting? How I many laps would you have to do? I would be town? the guy holding the water on the side. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> How many laps would you have to do around the edge of town to get a marathon? To get, what is it? 20, what is it? 20, 20, 26 okay. miles? Yeah, 26 point. Something two, and I think the round town is like three miles. The edge of town is three miles. 
Oh, let's just, I didn't know that. Okay. It's like, that's a lot. Math, <laughs> math, 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 math. Nine laps around town. <laughs> Wait, are you including the expansion project that we have in our town? <laughs> no, I no. Exactly. You're going back to your childhood like I am. Because <laughs> uh, we both know Botkins has barely expanded since we were kids. Two blocks. Man, that's big for us. It took us that's about big. 100 years to get it done. It's huge. Huge. Now it's growing. Now it's growing. <laughs> but anyway. I think all that's simply because um, people that graduated went on to college, you know, tried living somewhere else, and then they realized hey, uh, <laughs> the world is pretty nuts. So I'm just going to go back to the town where, you know, our crazy is just acceptable. That's right. That's right. And it's less crazy. The crazy back home is not nearly as crazy as the crazy everywhere else. Here's a good question. Okay. All hypothetical. If you weren't a priest and assigned elsewhere, would you go back and live in, in our old hometown? It would depend on what I was doing and what okay. work I was doing. Yeah. So well, we I all know you'd probably work be working for, the, working for the man. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know. I, I don't know. So would, what about you? Would you? I mean, I, on one level, I think I would love to because of yeah. what you just said. It's such a, a it's a good place to raise a family. Yeah. I think uh, as long as my mother is um, around, I might want to stay on the perimeters of the town. <laughs> Your mother listens to this too. And I know, I know, I know, because <laughs> she would want me to be on the perimeter of the town. Yeah. Because we've we've tried that and it's it's been about a weekend. And then we say, okay, it's time time to uh, separate our ways and, and enjoy our time. <laughs> so it's mutual. It's a mutual decision. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder about retiring somewhere around that area. That'd be nice. Yeah. I think that'd be good. You know what I would love to do is get a is to I would love to get a place at Indian Lake and and have a like just a a small place uh-huh. like a small condo yeah. there but but the prices there are so expensive right now I, I keep every time I'm up visiting my parents I look and I'm like mm, nope can't do that not on my budget no. but if you split the cost wait are we making a deal right now <laughs> I don't know are we making a deal <laughs> there we go we could. We could. We could. Let's, we could. let's buy we it up from the Marianists. They'll never know. <laughs> buy all, all of Governor's <laughs> Island. I'll, I'll give you $5 for it. What could, what could go wrong? <laughs> Eventually, if we outlive them, it'll be okay. We'll get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, that'd be a great place for like the diocese. The If, if the Mary, I don't want to see the Marianists leave, oh, obviously. No, no. But if they were, I wouldn't it be great to turn that into a, like a retirement place for another retirement village for priests for diocesan priests. Yeah. But I mean, I, I wonder about those things, you know, we got upcoming changes and then a number of guys that will be retiring. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what they have. They've got all the, their, their own plans, you know, but I'm sure there's a need out there for, for I, just this, that community, you know, yeah. Uh, and yeah. some priests like to be on their own. Some don't, uh, some, some would say if it's available, I'll do it. If not, uh, you know, Others will yeah. say, see ya. I'm in See Florida. You, bye. See ya. Bye. bye. <laughs> so that's okay. You know, it's just like, how do you plan for that stuff when, uh, when you do or don't know, but yeah. I mean, it's benefited up in the North with, uh, um, uh, West Milton, West Milton, and, Melchizedek uh, village. Yeah. yeah. That's I think it's, it's very gracious. Yeah. But see that that's either full or has room for one, one or two. I think one more. Yeah. One more. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. So, um, so we you were you you hinted at something. Uh, there's a lot of changes coming up, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we might as well do it. I mean, yeah, we'll check it. We'll check in on the beacons of light. Where you, what, yeah. what's going on in your heart, brother? <laughs> um, in my heart, you, I'm still fairly convinced that we're staying as is. So, um, okay. Um, so I'm just uh, what I'm starting to do is just look in and pray about what my parishes, my three parishes, need to move forward. And in one of those things. Uh, is even canonically reducing from three parishes to one parish with, mm-hmm. while trying to maintain the three sites as yeah. they remain feasible, each with their own character, each with their own um, kind of focus. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where the Lord keeps pushing my prayer in my heart uh, mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. So, but it's, you know, I think it contingent on that is each, each parish having, that character where they can flourish and grow and be something unique and special, you know? So each, yeah, sure. each of the churches. So, so just to maybe clarify for anybody that doesn't know, uh, you know, we're at the, we're at the moment with our beacons of light pastoral mm-hmm. planning program, where we have now the archdiocese and the beacons core team have received feedback from people like 8,000 uh, comments, 8,000 comments. So, for 400,000 Catholics to give 8,000 comments. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but I also sit there and I just say, either the grand majority are going to be biffed no matter what, or, <laughs> or they're kind of just whatever you decide, you know? Yeah. I don't know how to take silence, whether that's affirmation or kind of, you know, they're waiting until you pull the trigger and then, ha-ha, I got ha-ha. you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that all goes. But mm-hmm. the next thing will be uh, when Archbishop Schnur, uh, based upon consultation and probably kind of a draft process with the core team, uh, they'll they'll then finalize those family of parishes yeah. in probably winter here. That's the best way to say it. I, the and last then, I heard was... Move forward. Yeah, the last I heard the... the the, we were supposed to, we were expected to hear by Thanksgiving. That got pushed back a little bit. It'll be into December at some point. Okay. When yeah, we hear sure. the final plan. Um, sure. And then pastors will be announced after that. And then parochial vicars will be announced after that. And everything's yeah. still on par to be implemented as of July 1, 2022. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that your understanding too? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just the uh, hard tension of you really can't do anything um, because there is nothing being provided to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're still and in then, this waiting game. Yeah. And then there's uh, kind of extreme communication uh, from the court team of saying nothing's really going to happen till July when... I don't think you can just sit and watch a train barrel towards you without <laughs> preparing for something. Right. So whatever that means uh, for me, what I'm taking advantage and, you know, uh, go ahead and find me, whatever, you know, whoever's listening. But uh, <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm simply asking questions of where we are at point A, if we're going to get to point B. So mm-hmm. where are we? What's the current culture of the parishes? What's our statistics? You know, What's our mass attendance and what has been our trend for the last 20 years? 
and and so that people will sit there and say, we have a great parish. You know, we see people, we know these people, they're our parish. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the data and say, you've lost 60% of your parish attendance in 20 years. Yeah. And there's no trend that's changing that. But you keep telling me every day as your pastor that this is a good church and a vibrant church and we've got everybody that we need. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, we meet budget. Yeah. You know, do we do small activities? Well, sure. But that is all on a, you know, at least average, a yearly decline of about 10% of people. Yeah. yeah. And we haven't done anything to try to transform that number. So mm-hmm. I'm just getting that on a piece of paper for the next pastor, if it be me or someone else. Well, 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 we're back after a slight technical difficulty. Um, oops. <laughs> oops. I think some I screwed something up on my end. We broke. And so we were, I have no idea where it broke off. So we'll just kind of, <laughs> I'm going to kick it back to you. What were you talking? Sure. You were, you were yeah. So first. I was just saying in regards to the beacons of light process and what's happening in the parishes, I have a lot of people who are saying, you know, we love our parish. We love the way we're doing it. You know, we, lo- we love our current reality in the sense that we have community, mm-hmm. we have people we know. Yeah. But statistically, you know, at least for me, what I've been seeing is like, we, we've lost 50% of our parish attendance in 20 yeah. years. Yeah. And, and, and so at that rate, like, either by death or by people leaving what COVID did was advance it by five years for us, like literally statistically by five years. And and who knows, those people might be back when whatever scientific evidence is given to them that it's okay to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is, is like our birth rate and our baptismal rate or our RCIA into full communion and baptize baptism rate for adults is like one thirty second of what we're losing. Yeah. And we're still maintaining everything as we have it. And what I'm fascinated yeah. and grateful for is the stewardship. I mean, people, I mean, you think in 20 years, you've lost 50% of people who normally came to mass and you haven't had like less income. Yeah. We, we've so, seen some decline in income, but not that much. Exactly. So either A, those people who left never gave anything. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, B, well, yeah, yeah. B could be that, you know, people are giving more sacrificially now just to keep what they have, mm-hmm. which you know, and I know that when you give money to something, you kind of have a string attached to that. You're invested. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's investigating why are they giving to an organization that's losing people at a 50% rate in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's a, we call that parish. We call that home. We call that, you know, our church, but we don't mm-hmm. think about like, literally this is what our church is. We're okay. Losing 10% of people every year. And we're fine with that. Yeah. I, you know, that's like point a, so, and then, you know, those are, those are those things of being like, okay, you're right. Everything you've said is true in regards to, you know, the people, you love them, you sacrifice for them. Awesome. These are great gifts. But how do we harness that into now reversing the trend that we see? 
Mm-hmm. And that to me is where we bring in evangelization. That that's that's what evangelization is about. Yeah. You know, in a particular way, new evangelization. So because yeah, because I think um part of the question that we have to address in moving forward with this um with the beacons of light is how do we what how do we what do we how do we draw people back into the faith? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we equip our parishioners to go out and to be that leaven for society so that others see them and say, wow, there's something unique that they have that I want mm-hmm. and trying to draw them back into that. And, and that's a, that's a million dollar question. We figure that out we're, we'll make billions. Yeah. You know? I mean, I was mentioning to you, I just heard a, a podcast from one of the uh, authors on kind of early church fathers and everything. Mm-hmm. He's written a lot of books, you know, popular books. Yeah. It, uh, oh, uh, that's right. It's Mike Aquilina. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Mike Aquilina, right? And he had a little podcast on for the Cordial Catholic. And in that podcast, he just basically asked, like, what did evangelization look like for the early church when it was oppressed? And mm-hmm. for 300 years was praying to actually celebrate mass in public without dying <laughs> because you would go and say, I believe in Jesus. Great. You're a yeah. threat to society. You're yeah, dead. Yeah. yeah. So for 300 years, that's how our fl- our faith was transmitted. And not only that, it flourished. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating to see. He said in one study in 300 years, what was it? Every year that the church was existence since Christ's resurrection and the Pentecost, there was a 4% growth. Right. Every year, 4% growth. And then obviously, you know, good things grow, but then bad things grow, right? You think Constantine, great. Mm -hmm. But then what about Constantine's boys who came to rulers? Yeah, not so great. Not so great. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, you're all going to be forced into baptism because that's how it's going going down. Mm -hmm. Okay, not not quite what the church wanted there, you know? (laughs) So so it was just fascinating to learn that what was the one thing that was, I guess, captured the hearts and minds of most pagans or, you know, civil authorities was a fact that there was a friendship between Christians. Yeah. There was a relationship with God and a relationship with one another that was translated into a different way of living. You know, Mm -hmm. we have the early church fathers that they say they were in the world, but they were different. They carried themselves differently. Tertullian says that. And he was a convert. You know, so it was like when he became Catholic, was you know his life changed his prayer patterns changed how he viewed things his his perspective changed yeah and the secularism that's facing a lot of our young people and the advancements of technology and science and everything so readily available i don't think we've adequately probably proclaimed the gospel to those realities no and allowed them to say these two can serve the lord and here's an example of a Christian who uses social media or who uses scientific research to proclaim the truth of the gospel in its fullness. You know, it's just like, that's the way they live is before they go in to study 
how to get a vaccine or the cure for things like cancer. They'll pray. Like they'll pray before they go and do it. Yeah. Like that's an example of somebody going into a laboratory that would, you know, well, that's odd. Why are you <laughs> praying? Because all of my studies are nothing but discovering what God has created. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's a different approach. <laughs> Very much so. And and I guess, what do I want to say? I want to... It's like this challenge of being the, the being in in the world, but not of the world. From the mm-hmm. surface, we should look you, you. I guess what I was kind of contemplating the other night when I had mass for First Friday was like we should look the same as everybody else, but but we act differently, mm-hmm. right? Is that kind of where you're going? And and so, but the how do we? I, I guess there's such a there's such a pushback on or there's such a desire from some to act like the rest of the world. Yeah. yeah. So and so at least in my in my conversation there with the church fathers is do you think there wasn't pushback then? I know. Well yeah. You know, you know what I mean? I mean like no. if you said in the workplace that you believed in Jesus and these are the things that you're doing. You literally would be handed over by your family and crucified. Today, we would call that defamed or ridiculed. Blessed are you when they insult you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward will be great in heaven. And that's it. It's trying to create in the hearts and minds, I think, of people around us that this is the cross of this time. And we have to, you know, be willing to carry it because it's not only ours. Jesus knows it and he carried it. He's redeemed it. Yeah. But it's just how to, how to enter into those situations without blowing up. You know, (laughs) that's the hard part. For me, I can only speak for myself, how frustrating it is when there is such a secular mindset that has no openness Mm -hmm. to the grace of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And yet they're open-minded to every other ideology in the world. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, it's, it's this, uh, what? I don't know what I'm trying to, I don't, I have got something I'm trying to say and I just can't think of what it is, yeah. but it's, it's like this radical conversion of life that we're called to have. But how, I guess I, again, I come back to the question, how do we equip our parishioners to live that radical call worthily and well so that it's attractive. And I think part of that's how we live as priests. If we're not living the life in a radical call, it's not going to be attractive to them. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that when we, you know, I live in a posh rectory, you know, it's three times the size of any house right. that most of my parishioners live in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like the simplicity of life that we're called to have. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and and I think maybe this is what uh, this is helping our people get over the fear that it'll be okay. It'll yep. be all right. Jesus Matter is of fact, with you. You'll be in a better place. Yeah. yeah. Jesus is with you. If you as you live this call out, he's with you and desires to be with you. Uh so I think I don't know. Maybe this is just me thinking uh, and pondering more about it. 
it's because in some ways we have this quote careerism, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people think about ambition and pride, like that's a form of careerism. But I think the other form is for priests or staff is like, this is the career. Yeah. You you know, like this is, you know, how things work. This is how it is, is I manage this part. I manage this part. Yeah. And then I think you're touching on something that's very important is, you know, you know, how, how much do we dedicate in our schedule to prayer, to sacrifice for the people of God, asceticism practices, you know, like, you know, you could have a nice, re- a nice rectory, right? Mm-hmm. And you can have, you know, a wonderful bed and this and that. But, you know, maybe perhaps the Lord's calling you to sacrifice and you sleep on the floor. You know, but no one needs to know that. Well, you know, you, you have a, a wonderful bed that's right there, you know. Or you do other small sacrifices like you're going to kneel before you go to bed. You know, and just kneel for 10, 12, 12 minutes just in penance. Yeah. You know, it's like... No one, no one does that. And I don't know about you, but I was never taught that stuff. I was You know, kind of in no. seminary, we're always taught this is the theology. Learn the theology. So yeah. you don't become a boot, you know, a, a heretic on the pulpit. So learn, learn the theology. But then it was like living this pattern of holiness. You know, we've had good priest examples, but, you know, I Father O'Connor, a great example. But I don't know, like, what his real prayer life looked like. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's a call for us priests to be open and honest with each other in that area of our lives, just like married couples, hopefully are open and honest with each other in a group where they can, you know, really help each other to be not only in that moment of carrying the cross, but like getting all of the spiritual energy needed, the grace necessary to do that thing that we're being, I think, called to do. Um, I, you know, we call that priest groups, you know, this and that. Yeah. But I think it's really breaking down the barrier of like a group or something, but just being like, yeah, I think, I think I'm really going to be vulnerable with this one or two like priests in that accountability kind of really mm-hmm. of holiness. And um, instead of, you know, when priests get together, we gossip about our parishioners, you know, and, and even just that challenge at times where I've met with priests and just for dinner or lunch or whatever, I'm like, how's your prayer life? And you know, and they're almost shocked that I asked that question. Yep. But yet that's the, if we as priests are not challenging each other on that thing, how are our parishioners going to challenge each other on that thing? You know, that's right. That's right. So, And so those are the, I think, you know, how do we equip ourselves to, to be more evangelical and going out? I think, you know, mm-hmm. it starts right here, but it also, you know, I think you have to give an accurate picture of what's really happening. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will just grasp at what we're doing with more energy or, <laughs> you know, you know, if we just did it with more pep, you know, more pep in yeah. our step, if we just smiled a little bit more, the, the church will come back. Um, I don't but believe that's, that. That's putting it all on us. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Which, which, if the church is going to be renewed, mm-hmm. I I also think of like I think I think of all the people, all the the people back home that prayed for me by name, day by day throughout my time in seminary. Mm-hmm. You know that's though 
those are the people that are leading this renewal in the church. And, and some you, of whom may be yeah. homebound. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? The, the, it's got to be the, led by prayer. And the most important thing is, is like, um, I just had, you know, a conversation through a meeting of somebody from our parishes, you know, and they mentioned these words. They said, all of us here at the parishes have enjoyed watching you grow into becoming a better priest every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it reminded me that it wasn't just seminary. Like even yeah. right now, there's probably people in our parishes still praying for our poor, our poor, poor souls, you know, <laughs> I, cause I know I need all the help I can get. <laughs> and it's just, it's just something that, you know, okay, there it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a done deal. Okay. He's a priest now, but uh, you know, that they continue to walk and continue to be that uh, community of faith. That's important. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think then hopefully as we, grow in our own holiness. It, it leads others to desire that growth and holiness, even just providing those opportunities uh, for people to encounter the Lord. But then that frustrating part, when we provide these opportunities and we have five people, the same five people show up. Okay. Okay. Next time we do this, you have to bring someone with you, you know, and that challenge right. of inviting. That's someone right. In. Yeah. And you, you point out the real thing, you know, we talked about point a, where we are, I'd say the transition is, you know, moving, moving towards that evangelization. But point B is the final product, you know, and, and, and we, I don't know, I don't know about you, but um, when I have called people to task by measurable amounts, you know, mm-hmm. like here's a goal. Okay. How are we going to measure that in a year? What's that going to look like in five years? Yeah. And if we don't meet the two year mark, what are we going to change so that in five years we get to where we want to go? Yeah. Otherwise, we can spend a whole amount of time and energy doing something that we never really see the results of for various reasons. Yeah. But when I've called people to task as looking at it from that, they feel like there's a judgment happening. Mm-hmm. And I think rightly so. There has to be. There has Otherwise, to be ownership. I, yeah, I think we, it's, yeah. it's not judgment. It's a call to ownership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just... The more and more I think we, you know, think about, okay, we want to start a youth ministry. Great. Mm -hmm. What's your goal in the first year? What's your long-term goals? You know, that every kid would encounter Jesus Christ. Awesome. First year, how many kids are you going to do it? And how are you going to do it? Event wise or accompanying wise? Okay. Evaluate that first year. What worked, what didn't, you know? And then the second Mm -hmm. year you become more bold. The third and fourth. But we don't do that. That's his basic planning, right? Yeah. (laughs) But we don't do that. We just keep doing something more and throw another program and see if it sticks. And well, there you go. You know, and and maybe maybe that's an approach. It is an approach. It's what we've been doing. But I just I think we got to have a little bit more planning of listen, if it doesn't pan out in a year or two, cut it. I'm sorry. Yeah. You you got to. That's where. That's where working with my the mission team that's here at my parish is. Yeah, it's like what's our overall goal? It's like to have a community of committed disciples. Okay, what does that look like? How do we foster that? How does that grow? You know, and so I think that that's something that we keep talking about and trying to drive towards. It's like okay, what does a committed disciple look like? Okay, and then really trying to evaluate what are we doing in our parishes that lend to that 
or do not lend it. I don't not only do not lend to that, but detract or distract from committed discipleship. Yeah. You know, and if if there's things that we're doing that distract from that, we need to cut it out. We need to prune it off the tree. Mm. And I can think of things here that I know I'm like, that does not help committed discipleship. In fact, distracts from it and takes away from it and and leads to a long the wrong message being portrayed about who we are as Catholics. Mm-hmm. So why are we still doing it? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have so any a lot answers. of yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> we kinda we kinda went from uh yeah point A to B, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Alas, I think I think we're at thirty minutes. We're I'd say we are with the cutoff and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> who, knows? who knows what it'll who sound like when I put it together? We don't want to. Yeah, be like, we'll figure it out. It'll be like most commercials that are just put together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if anybody has any thoughts on this, uh, please feel free to let us know, and uh, please know of our prayers for you. Pray for us because I know I need it. I am because you gotcha. Yeah, pray for yeah, our wisdom needs, and guidance. He and needs it. He needs it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. I love it. Uh, uh, Subscribe to the podcast, share it with friends, um, pass it along. You can find us on social media, wherever, wherever things are found. And um, I guess with that, we'll call it a week. What do you think? Sounds great. Have a great week. God bless everybody. What Now, Jesus is a podcast produced by Father Kyle Schnippel and Father David Dosek. Any views and opinions expressed are solely our views and opinions and do not reflect those of our diocese, of our church, uh, or anyone else besides those of us who are appearing on the podcast. God bless.